Uh, let's go to the word of the Lord, John 14, 1 through 3. Uh, I just want to say that I love my wonderful wife, and I'm glad she's home from nonfiction. Some men, whenever their wives go away, they feel like they're on holiday. When my wife goes away, I wonder if she's coming back. So I start checking on her about three days in, wondering, did you get lost? You coming home? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. John 14, 1 through 3, they're going to help me on the screen. I do believe that God has a word for us today. Uh, you know, you get the thanks sermons, you get the giving sermons, you get the thanksgiving sermons, but today I want to just talk to you a little bit about gratitude and how we have to know that God has prepared a place for us. Let's go to the Word of the Lord, John 14, 1. Are you ready for this? Say, I'm ready. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus speaking. Next verse. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Do you believe that's the truth or do you believe that's a lie? I believe that's the truth. I believe he's gone to prepare a place for us. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. There's a greater place we're headed, brothers and sisters. And I want to preach for a little while about heaven on the mind, but I also want to tell you that the only way that you're going to keep motivated for heaven is if you have gratitude for what's coming that's greater. Amen? So I want to preach for a few minutes, for just a few minutes. We won't be long. Gratitude for greater. Gratitude for greater. So turn to your neighbor and tell him my title, Gratitude for Greater. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Well, this is a message of hope for sure. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. It's a message of hope for sure. Uh, gratitude allows us to focus on greater places and greater things in our life than the difficulties. I brought an illustration. I went to Home Depot this morning and tried to find some rope. I used to have some real good rope for this illustration. I've done this illustration three times. If you've heard it before, I'm very sorry. But you know what? When you get old, you start telling the stories over again. So that's what happens. <laughs> You just have to put up, you know, whenever you have loved ones that are getting older, they start telling the same stories, and you're like, just let them tell it. Just don't, don't interrupt them. Just let them tell it. But this rope, I want to allow it to represent eternity, and the black part of this rope, I wanted to allow, I wanted you to allow it to represent your life. And sometimes we don't see things we can be thankful for, in the present moment because we're trusting God for what he's doing with it. We're, we're believing God that he's going to make good out of it. He's going to Romans eight twenty eight our situation and make all things work together for good to them that love God. But sometimes we can't see that. And I want you to realize that your life is difficult as it may be sometimes or as great as it may be sometimes. It's only represented by this black section of this rope. And you can Google this because Francis Chan does this illustration so much better than I do. This is his illustration. But this represents eternity. This represents the greater that God has for us. The, the, the place that has no time, no sorrow, no struggle, no worry, no difficulties, no red lights when you need to get there, 
no problems with your vehicle when it won't start, no winter batteries that won't do its job, none of the frustrations of life where your computer runs slow on Monday morning. Anybody want to give me an amen? Help me out a little bit with those. There's, there's none of that in eternity. There's just a, a place prepared for us in glory. And it's so good that Scripture tells us that the eye hath not seen and ear hath not heard the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But what if we spend all of our life, that little bit of life, not focusing on all that is to come, but we focus on maybe if I do good in college here, I'll be able to eat like I want to at the restaurants here. Or maybe, maybe if, I, if I'm a real good parent, I'll enjoy grandchildren because we won't have estranged relationships when I get right here. And maybe we're so focused on this section of our life that we forget that there's greater that we can be grateful for. There's more to this life than just getting up, getting ourselves cleaned up, getting to work, and going through our normal day's routine. There's more to life than just living out our days, trying to do the best we can with what we've got to work with. There's more to our life than just trying to play the cards that were dealt us. I want, you to, tell, I want to tell you today that you can have a life that has nothing to be thankful for. You can have a life that's difficult and hard and a broken body and a wheelchair to have to get around in. And you can still live a life that's grateful if you know that God has got better for you coming. Heaven on your mind is what gives you heaven on the earth, amen. Goodness of God is found in understanding that he has built a place for us. He's gone to prepare a place for us and the transition of that mindset to beautiful heaven gives us an understanding in revelations 21 and 4 that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain there's a greater coming brothers and sisters and we have to be grateful for it now if we learn to live for what's over there we can be better living for what's here. I remember being a youth pastor for 10 years in Muskego under Sarah's father. I give him honor, John Englehart. And I remember one of our young guys coming up and talking to me, and he's like, I, I, I don't want to go to heaven yet. You know, there was like 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 88. You know, Party like it's 1999 because Jesus, well, we don't party, but you know what I'm saying. Everybody thought it was going to end, right, at 2000. And so he, we had one of those moments where there was a height, heightening of Jesus is coming back. And I know he's coming back. He's close to coming back. I really see the signs of the end times. But he came to me and he started crying. And he was like, I, I, I want to get married. I want to have kids. I don't want Jesus to come back yet. And I felt bad for him because I, I had to walk him through the word of God and understand that there is no loss in heaven. No matter what you don't get here, you will never regret being there. 
Well, but I want a relationship. I want to get married. I want to know the beauty of walking with somebody side by side doing life. I get that. And I, that's, that was my thinking too before I got married. And then after I got married, I realized it's not all fun. It's not all roses and pretty gardens and puppies and rainbows. There's difficult moments in your life that happen, and you have to realize that there is really only gain in the greater part of heaven. There is really only gain in leaving here. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? Because of that cross, when we leave this earth, when, our, when we take our last breath and we are walking with Jesus Christ, been saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, we leave this body, we take our last breath, and in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. We, because of that cross, get to be with the Lord. Somebody say amen. And so I'm thankful today that I could tell that young man, hey, whatever life you have, whatever length of life you have in this life, whether long or short, whether many days or few, you're headed to something so much better. I wish God would forgive me as a preacher for preaching people out of hell instead of preaching people into heaven. I wish God would help me to give people an understanding of how great it is to know that we're going to a place so much beyond our mindset, so much beyond our ability to comprehend. It is so good. It's beyond good. We cannot even comprehend. I'm not preaching anybody out of hell today. I'm asking us to understand that if we get a gratitude for heaven, there's nothing that we have seen even close to it, nothing that has entered our heart or man's imagination that's going to be anything like it. We know that we can reflect on the beauty and the perfection of heaven where God's promises will wipe away every tear and eliminate every pain. And the emphasis is going to be awe-inspiring to us when we walk on streets of gold. Brothers and sisters, everything you fight for in life, everything you're filling your savings account, they pave over there with what we save over here. It's going to be better than anything you ever experienced. There's a greatness coming for your life and we got to have a gratitude for the promises of eternal life and I'm preaching about heaven today I know it seems like a little holy hedonism because I want to go to heaven I I want to go to heaven but I don't want to go to heaven without saying to somebody that there's going to be a place for you as well in our father's house are many rooms he's preparing a place for you and I want you to go there too i got to express gratitude for the promises and recognize that Jesus himself is preparing that place because he died for me. He gave me a life on this earth because he died the sin I was supposed to die, but he gave me a life over there because he came here. Amen? The only God who ever divested himself of all of his glory so that he could recover people because he didn't want to live in heaven alone. He didn't want to live without you in heaven. Amen, somebody? And if you have been raised, Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Everybody say above. John the Revelator, when he's talking and he was marooned on an island in the Mediterranean in Revelation and he's talking about Jesus, he gives a beautiful example of Jesus. And he's like, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He's in a mildew infested rock in the middle of the Mediterranean. It was a prison. He had been spared. The prophet had been spared from a pot of oil. They tried to boil him alive. 
And God had spared him so that he could have the opportunity to peer into what was coming, the given and future eternities. And God allowed him to write it in the book of Revelation. And he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I turned behind me, and there was one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, white as snow. His feet were as fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And I heard his voice, and it was the sound of many waters. And I, being turned, I fell on my face. And he's, he's going on about the beauty of Jesus, and there was one standing in the candlesticks. And he said, I saw him as the Son of Man, and he came, and he laid his right hand on me. He said, I was the one, I am the one who was and is and is to come, the Almighty. I was dead, but now I am alive, and I am alive forevermore. And you need to understand that when you get in Jesus' presence, there's going to be nothing that you're going to need to remember. There's going to be nothing that you need to be, that needs to be solved. He's going to be justice. He's going to be holy. He's going to fix everything in the moment you step into heaven. There is no challenge that he can't solve. There's no problem he cannot fix. He's a God of all glory, brothers and sisters. And I'm not saying we don't have gratitude for the journey. I'm not saying we don't have gratitude for the company in the journey. Thank God for all of that. But I'm saying when we get there, we're also going to know that this is our home. This is what we were meant for. This is the earnest, the earnest of our inheritance that was deposited here was so that we could get there. That is going to be where our citizenship is in heaven. And when we get there, we're going to say, finally, home. There's going to be an instant moment where you feel completely whole, where your body is sanctified, not just your spirit and your soul. Thank God. Can somebody say that? Thank uh, Thanksgiving. We thank God. Philippians 4, 11 through 13, I have learned in whatever situation. This is Paul writing to the Philippians, a church that he planted. He said, I have learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. How many can say it's difficult to be content? (laughs) It's a human element of our lives. I know how to be brought low, he said, and I know how to abound. Not that I speak in respect. I know how to be abased. So he said, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He He said it like this, In another translation, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. There's a secret to it. It's gratitude. Michael J. Fox, you may know him for Back to the Future. He suffered in 1991 a a very serious diagnosis. He was on the set of a movie and his pinky began to twitch. He didn't know what was going on. So he went and he had early onset Parkinson's disease. It's a death sentence of a, of a diagnosis. And he began to continue to, be, to win awards and work on his career. But slowly things began to shimmer and slowly began to tremor. And he could not control it. And at some point he decided that he would retire. But then they wanted to call him back. And he said, I tell you what, I will play roles. But I'm going to have to play roles with my disease. And he started a nonprofit that is the largest nonprofit searching for a Parkinson's disease cure of $1.7 billion. He took what was not good in his life, and he said, I'm going to make greater of it. I'm going to do better with it. And so he, in a recent interview, said, 
Gratitude makes optimism sustainable. Optimism by itself is not sustainable, brothers and sisters. How many have been told that? Well, just get more optimistic. Just try harder. Just do better. And you, and you, and you go good for a little while, right? You're like, okay, yeah, right. I'm going to get up. I'm going to hit the gym. I'm going to get some endorphins flowing. I'm going to get some things going. I'm going to bring my serotonin levels up so I'm not depressed. I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to work on getting good vitamins and get some sun. Hello, somebody. Have you been, done, been through that? Yeah, yeah, that, that spinning wheel where you try and then you fall down and you try again and you fall down. Well, he said, what makes optimism work is gratitude. Scripture talks about it all over the place, that thankfulness is a gateway to everything else. That gratitude opens the door. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. When you come to God, he said, if you're going to come to God and you're going to get anything from God, you need to enter with thanksgiving. That is how you come in. If you want to get a promotion on your job, start being the most thankful person on your job. I don't know how hard your job is. I, I, I get it. Sometimes it's really difficult to work with people and there's difficult things going on. But if you can find one thing to be grateful for, well, pastor, I don't have anything in my job to be grateful. It's a slog fest. I go in, I work, I go home, and I, sometimes I even have to sit in my car over lunch and detox. Maybe that's true, but you've got greater to live for. If you've got nothing on your job to be thankful for, you've got eternity to be thankful for. Go to your car on your your lunch hour, flop open your Bible and start reading a proverb of wisdom. Start going through a psalm and get a song in your heart and begin to just say, I may not have to, the good things right now, but I'm headed toward good things one day. And if I can just get thankfulness in my heart, I promise you a promotion will come your way. You are not expecting if you can get thankfulness working in your heart, in your life, right where you are, right at this moment. His body racked with pain violent tremors from the Parkinson's disease, he said, I'm going to make a difference. So he started his foundation. That's called living for greater. I believe we should be the most happy people on planet Earth because we have a heaven to live for. R.C. Sproul wrote in so many of his writings, but one of his greatest writings, and I'm skipping a lot of preaching just because I know the time, it's always great to cultivate a spirit of gratitude. Someone say amen to that. And you can start to live in an overflow lifestyle. When, you just, when you're just grateful and you're just giving out what God gives you, you start to realize that you're just a pass-through. I'm just a pastor. I just I pass it on. <laughs> but you not only start to realize that you don't just pass on blessings, you start to realize that you're where hurt stops. You don't pass on hurt, you pass on blessings. So when something comes to your life that's damaging, you, you take it up, you start to go to bat. You're like, I'm going to be the place where this hurt stops. Nobody else is going to go through me and damage somebody else. No one else is going to carry on the curse in our family. It's going to stop with me. It's under the blood. Nobody else is going to continue. I know I didn't have a model, a good model of what a marriage is like, but I'm going to have a good marriage because I'm going to go to a retreat. I'm going to spend time in study of the word. I'm going to figure it out because I want to dismantle all the trouble and trauma from my past. I may not have a good example, 
but I know Jesus was my example, and I've got better to live for. Amen, somebody? Gratitude for earthly benefits and heavenly mindset. So R.C. Sproul in his work, The Psychology of an Atheist, or The Psychology of Atheism, he discusses the benefits of earth, of those who have heavenly minded. Have you ever heard the saying, so heavenly minded, no earthly good? You heard that? That's actually not true. I mean, there are some people that are a little bit wacky. You know those folks. And if you don't know someone that's a little bit spiritually wacky, it's probably you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But he said, heavenly-minded people have found a key to clarity of purpose. People with a heavenly perspective often experience a clarity of purpose in their daily lives. He said, knowing that their ultimate destination is heaven, they find meaning and direction in their earthly journey. People who have greater to live for and have gratitude for heaven, they live better lives on earth. They're better people. He said they're more content. Sproul emphasizes the contentment that comes from focusing on the eternal. Those who set their minds on heaven... And heavenly things can face various circumstances with a sense of peace that others cannot, knowing that their true treasure is stored up in heaven, that he keeps the books. And any injustice is going to be made right or else he can't be called a just God. He said there's an endurance that's built into people that have gratitude for greater. He said, a heavenly mindset provides strength and endurance in times of trial. Believers find comfort in the knowledge that their present struggle are temporary and they press on with hope for the glory that awaits them in heaven. There is nothing like a people that are thankful for heaven. They have the power to stick it out. They have the power to hang in there. They have the power to just press on. Living in the light of eternity changes everything. So he says it's the people who do the most good in earth are the people who are living for heaven. And I've got gratitude for that. Psalms 4, Philippians, whenever I was talking about he was brought low, he was, Paul was talking about his hardships. There is a list of Paul's hardships. This isn't just a guy that's blowing smoke at us. This isn't a guy that's just like, oh, yeah, you're Christians. You have that fake reality of everything you see, you don't believe, and you just believe it's going to be better, even though you're living in a living hell. That, that's not what he's talking about. He says in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 31, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes. Anybody know how bad 40 stripes are? That's, that's pretty painful. He said, I received that not just once, but five times. Thrice I was beaten with a rod. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and day had, I had been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of glory to God. <laughs> this sounds fun. Anybody want to sign up for that? <laughs> Anybody? We have a sign up in the back after church for signing up for perils of robbers, perils of sea. Perils of among false brethren, perils of wilderness, and weariness, and weariness, and painfulness, and watchings or prayer, 
Often in hunger and thirst, he hungered, he thirsted at times, all doing missions and missionary journeys for God. In fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the cares of all the churches. He said, who is weak and I am not weak? He's like, I knew weakness. But I also know that none of this can be compared to the glory of the things that are to come. He said, I did it all because I know where I'm going. I could stand it because I knew where I was standing with the Lord. I knew my standing with God was there's a place coming. And so he says in Romans 8, 18, for I reckon. He goes a little hillbilly on everybody. He goes, I reckon. <laughs> Anybody heard someone say that? If they say, I reckon, you know they got a truck mounted, they got a, a rifle mounted in their truck. You know that. I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He said, it's not even worthy. It's not even worthy. What happens here should never be compared to what's going to happen here because it's going to be so much greater. It's going to be so much greater. And I've been hearing preaching about Jesus coming back since I was 12. Since I remembered a sermon, Jesus was coming back. And that doesn't mean he's not coming back. That just means that maybe God's waiting so that he can glean more souls out of the earth. Right now in Africa, about 680 people are saved every single day. That's just Africa. That's about 250, about 2,000 less than 250,000 people a year. Can you give God one more year? To save 250,000 more people? I think we can give them another year, amen? I think we can give them another few years. I don't know how bad the earth is going to get. I don't know where things are going to go politically. I have no idea what's going to happen except for the fact that I know that we are going to heaven one day and God is building us a home. And let's have revival before we go. Let's let God do his work in the earth so that we have heaven occupied. Let's make heaven crowded. I'm okay with another day of gratitude for something greater. I'm okay with another valley moment. I'm okay with another rough situation. If it means it's 680 people on a different continent, how many people are getting saved in America? How many people are getting saved in Australia or Europe right now? How many situations are changing and people are calling out on God? How many atheists are coming to God right now? Because he's tarrying before he comes. Talk with an atheist, and I love, I love what John, John Maxwell does with atheists. He's talking with a young atheist, and he said, I always ask him this question. When they say, I'm an atheist, he's like, that's okay. You, that's your right. You get to choose what you believe. He says, but don't you miss him. Don't you miss him. And he's brought more atheists to Jesus Christ over that one question. Don't you miss him? Someday, even though we miss him, we're going to get to go home. Amen? And sorry, but I don't have any time to be distracted with life because I got a place I'm going. 
Amen. I've got a place I'm going. And that place is where no white, where no tears are. He's going to wipe away every tear. That means there's no injustice. There's no reason to cry. There's never going to be any more hospitals. There's never going to be any more divorce court. There's never going to be any more funeral homes. I wasn't planning on working there anyways. There's never going to be any more. I'm a funeral director if you don't know. There's never going to be any more abortion clinics or brothels or bankruptcy or psychiatric wards. There's never going to be more wound treatment centers, no teen suicide, no pornography, no alternative lifestyle marches, no AIDS, no cancer, no rape, no missing children, no child trafficking, no drug problems, no drive-by shootings, no domestic disharmony, no racial tension, no prejudice, no injustice, no depression, no anxiety, no gossip, no hurt feelings, no worry, child abuse, emptiness, financial hard physical pain, wars, and spiritual warfare. It's not there, brothers and sisters. We're going to someplace greater. Heaven is our home. He's prepared it for us. There's no sorrow. There's no separation. There's no starvation. There's no arguments, no misunderstandings, no accidents, no emergency rooms, no doctors and nurses and heart attacks and diabetes and ruts and questions and false teachers and hurricanes and decay and door locks. There's no sin there because there will be no sinners there. He's bought it all. He's paid for it. You get a mansion. You're going to greater. Can you be thankful for greater? There's no death. There's no graves. There's no Jesus standing at the tomb of Lazarus weeping for the people that he knew would stand there and say goodbye to family members. There's no hopelessness. There's no sorrow. There's no physical pain. There's no shame. There's none of that in heaven. You've got something greater to be thankful for. Oh, how great it's going to be. I can only imagine what it will be like. You know the song. I'm not going to heaven to avoid hell anymore. I've got some spiritual maturity in my life and some faith to believe. And I've grown in the Lord enough to know, and I hope you have too, that we don't go to heaven to get away from hell anymore because heaven's so good. It's the best thing that will ever happen to you. The best thing that will ever happen to you. Would you stand with me today? I hope this has impacted your heart in a way that makes you get in your car on Monday and say, I'm going to live for the promise of heaven. That on Tuesday, whenever you get blindsided by a little bit of emotion, that you say, you know what? It's a difficult morning. I've got some difficult things happening, but it is written that I have not seen and ear had not heard or man imagined what God has prepared for them that love him. Maybe you can understand that the power of heaven can show up in this earth. And while we were worshiping him just a little while ago, we got a little taste of what heaven's going to be like. It's going to be a rowdy place. It's going to be all cultures and all people around the throne, joining the angels that are right now singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we're going to look him in the face and every tear will be wiped away. And we will know that he loved us in our good days and he loved us in our bad days. We were no less his children on our best day than we were on our worst day. And we will understand his love fully 
and we will understand that there will be no more hunger, that there will be no more thirst. The the sun shall not strike them anymore, nor scorching heat, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. Everybody say life spring. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Would you give them a little bit of thanks right now? Maybe hands lifted. Maybe hearts excited. Thank you, Jesus. We give you some gratitude on this Thanksgiving service. Heaven is our home. We're going someplace. If you haven't made yourself uh, right with God, if you need to get baptized or filled with God's spirit, see one of us pastors. We'll walk you through repentance. We'll walk you through praying. We'll walk you through exerting your faith to believe that God can give you that place that he's promised. But maybe right now every one of us can just give a moment of thankfulness. Maybe we can find a place to pray and we can prepare our hearts for the place that's prepared for us. So great, there is no one else like you. Bring her up just a little bit, would you? Let's sing this together. Else like you, you are great. You do miracles so great. I have not seen, ear has not heard. I've got gratitude for greater God. I'm believing and living for greater things. Come on, lift your hands and worship him all over the room. Worship him in his holy place. Worship him because he visits us in this place. Hallelujah. Come on, just close your eyes and think of him right now. Put heaven on your mind. You deserve the glory, Jesus. You deserve the honor, Jesus. So we lift our hands in worship. Come on, sing it out, everybody. Heaven's. No 